Hey guys, it's Clifford Ives with Gershman Mortgage. Here's our mortgage morning, right guys? Um, we're here to with Brian Jackson with Keller Williams, um, and we're going to talk about some uh, neat topics. We're going to kind of talk about uh, the inspection part of it and maybe the uh, repair addendum that Brian deals with. We're going to try to get into FHA and USDA loans, um, how the the inspection part of that goes a little bit and and we might we have some other ideas if we need that for a little bit more time uh brian you want to introduce yourself I've, you're the first person i've ever heard say that disclosures is a neat topic so it is. <laughs> i'm looking forward to it. um like you said brian jackson with keller williams sold on the ozarks.com um, is our team my wife and i um, we've been doing this for 24 years full-time yeah. and uh, specialized residential real estate. We've been working together about 10 years. About 10 now. of that, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of cool. One of the things before I move forward is the cool thing about Brian is the communication skills. If I ever call him, he gets right back to me, either via text or whatever. And I totally respect that. And that builds the relationship that we have together and taking care of the clients that Absolutely. we work with. Absolutely. It's awesome. Um, and um, But the thing I wanted to get into today was... Um, the inspection part of it's a big part of the transaction nowadays. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I know in some situations, people are waiving that contingency to secure the home, but still about 80% of them we're still doing home inspections on, right? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I you know, my thing is I've had a lot of conflict with, it's hard for me to advise buyers to waive an inspection for any reason. Oh, absolutely. And, and I get it. I understand when you're in a competitive market like we were the last couple of years that you were having to do about anything to get a deal put together. Um, but man, that's a, that's a, that's a dangerous road to go down. So, it can be you know, anymore for Potentially sure. very expensive. You know, so. and usually, um, you guys have a in the contract you have it set up usually they have 15 days can you explain how that works when you you're negotiating that because you can actually have the inspection go all the way to the closing day you can yeah i mean everything's negotiable in a real estate contract you know the defaults are 10 days for the inspection period and then an additional five day specialist period if you need it and then an additional 10 days to to respond and get it worked out um we do usually stretch that initial that that 10 day one to 14 just to give us a full two weeks mainly because inspectors you know as the market heats up and gets busier it's it's sometimes it can take two weeks to get your inspection on the books and done so explain to us a little bit what the inspection thing you're talking about. So we do the inspection and you're talking about specialists. How's that work? What are you talking about? So, well, so basically I always say we yield to the specialist. So, so a, a property inspector has a, a broad, broad knowledge of all the systems in the home. Right. Um, and some more broad than others, but they all, you know, have, have similar. Um, so anyway, uh, they come in and they look at everything. Well, if they call out the furnace or the roof or, you know, a system that probably needs a, a closer part look, exactly, the then we can just by default, we can send a form that says, hey, we're adding an additional five days for a specialist period to our contract in order to allow us time to get an HVAC professional or a roofer or whoever we need, the various tradesmen, to come out and look at those specifics. So to me, the, it's the roof that seems to be the biggest issue nowadays. And, well, um, roofs and mold, that, that seems to be the two. Right. Yeah, yeah. The mold is two big issues. Mm -hmm. they're, and they're, they're big concerns, too. And they can be big seems, ticket items. Absolutely. It seems like everyone wants a brand new roof. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, to me, that doesn't seem realistic. <laughs> well, right, yeah. It just doesn't seem realistic. It's always me. funny to me. Well, 
and, and anything in a house, it's always fine to me when you look at an older home and expect to have brand new stuff in it, you know? Um, I mean, right. Well, you're buying an older home, right? Yeah. <laughs> we love a classic home. We want a, a classic home. Yeah. And then if you and want then to buy a brand new to, house. You should have bought the yeah, brand new house. Yeah, and right. then you get to the classic <laughs> items that are wrong with a classic home and they're like, uh, uh-uh, no, I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, so didn't you tell me you had a transaction, just concerns about they're buying an older, older home and has the, still has. It's an 84-year-old house with an 84-year-old electrical system in it. And, and they'd like it to be a new electrical system. And, but they're buying an 84-year-old house. Right. And I would like it to be a new electrical system, too. But that's not how it works a lot of times, you yeah. know. Um, and, and the city of Springfield used to, it was no big deal. You'd spend $3,000, have your yeah, electric upgraded. Now it's ten or $15,000. Because uh, of the permits and yeah, everything. It's just a the, big deal. they got to go through and. Yeah. look it all through it does add up so pretty fast yeah yeah but you know a couple things if you're a buyer out there looking at houses and you're looking at these classic homes if you're walking through and you notice that instead of having a regular light switch it's got the two button light switch well that's pretty that, that's a pretty good indicator that the electric has not been updated that's <laughs> right know? so but that is a safety concern i mean sure. if i was buying a house i'd be concerned about it i yeah. wouldn't expect it and and beyond and, that it can be an insurability issue you know absolutely a lot of insurance companies Most, won't take a won't insure a home that's got the old knob and tube you know electric in it. so people need to be conscious they do yeah they absolutely because yeah. it, it's going to cost them more money to get it insured right right because i've had insurance companies do it for clients before yeah but a lot of them are, they go back and they want to they give them like 60 days or something after it closes yeah, up we've run into that before you know? yeah so. but again uh, if they don't know up front what that entails you know they're thinking it's not that big a deal and then all of a sudden oh my gosh we're going to spend twelve thousand dollars to do this well let's go back to the roof okay because there's a lot of discussions on that because you know here we go um i'm the buyer i say my guy says it's a bad roof mm-hmm. the sellers go back they say it's a good for us. Mm-hmm. Where do we go from there? Well, we we so assuming that both of those were were said by professionals, not just by the people. Right. You know what I'm saying? Then we would probably need to get a third contractor out there for a tiebreaker. Um, and we've run into that. I mean, I've had I've had roofing companies that go out and say, "Oh no, that roof's got ten years left life left in it." You know, right. and then other roofers come along and go, "Not so much." You know, it needs it. So. And I do know one of the band-aids on it is to have the seller go in and have their insurance company come in. And a lot of times they do get claims on them, they get them fixed, and it solves the problem for yep. everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, a $1,000 deductible is better than a $14,000 bill. Because they always have that angle to go yeah. to yeah. as well. Maybe. Again, it depends on why the roof is needing repaired. If it's, if, it's, if it's needing replaced because of hail damage or wind damage, then yeah, insurance would probably be a viable option. But if it's just needing replaced because it's 19 years old and it's at the end of its life, your insurance company is not going to want They're to pay for that. that. Huh. It's usually the, what's 50%? If it's a 30-year, uh, I've seen, if it's tw- over I've seen 15, 25%. I mean, it just depends. Right. You know, so. Usually if it's, within fifth, if it's a 30-year roof and it's before 15 years, they, you're not going to have any trouble insurance. But after that 15 years, they start doing a progressive thing, I think. Yeah, but, it's kind of prorated. I um, Again, it's important to, to do your due diligence on the front end. So when you bought that house, of course, when you buy it, you're not thinking about selling it, right? We're thinking right. This, this is our forever home, which I always follow with. I'll see you in three to five years because I'm typically about selling my house because my wife's always selling my house. My wife knows <laughs> knows when I'm about to put a sign in the yard because that's when the last repair finally gets completed, you know. But, oh, that's <laughs> but, um, but, you know, that insurability thing, that's part of that 10 or 14-day inspection period also. So if you need to have, you know, or you do need to have your insurance company also check if you have any questions about insurability. So, you, you know, during that inspection period. 
So if you're getting close to that date, the seller could come back and extend that date too as well, or you guys just come back and negotiate that? How that how's that work? Well, I, guess this is I, I mean, so so the contract is firm. I mean, once right. it, once it's written, once it's signed, the timelines that are that are there are solid. Now, is it negotiable? I mean, technically, if there's a meeting of the minds, I suppose you could, right. you could, you know, you could always move things around a little bit. Um, but it is important that you get that meeting of the minds, and you don't want to wait until day 14 to have that conversation, um, or else you just might be high and dry, you know. So yeah, for sure. Um, so when you, I wanted to kind of touch on when you're coaching your buyers, mm -hmm. and you're getting ready to write up this uh, repair, then kind of explain what your thoughts are how you're, how are you giving them guidance because we know that when the the job of the inspector is to tell you every little thing sure. that's wrong with oh, that yeah. house oh, yeah. you know yeah. and a lot of it's just general maintenance that they're recommending that you take care of after you purchase the house not right. just to get it you know right but some people think Everything needs to be done. So how do you kind of coach through that? The only way I've found that what, what's worked for us is, is we kind of start that education process when we're out showing homes. I mean, when we're initially showing the client the homes, we're trying to point out the defects that we see too. Right. We're not inspectors and, and never, never, you know, I always want people to get their own inspection and have a third party, you know. But but nonetheless, I'm going to point out what I see. Um, and we start having that conversation about, okay, see this, this is a, a cracked wall plate they're going to call this out in the inspection, but that's not necessarily a repair that we'd want to ask for. You know, and, and that's the thing is, is I just try to manage expectations from the get-go. You know, that the stuff that we're really looking at are the big system, the big components. We're not looking to nickel and dime and send a 73-item repair request. A safety issue, too. Well, well yeah. Electrical, because yeah. we've had a lot of safety issues on electrical. My, my, my main things are, are, you know, let's check the major system. Let's check the roofing, the electrical, the, the plumbing. The foundation. Uh, the crawl space, foundation, structural. Um, you know, those are... Those those are your main components, and, and if there's faults, problems there, then, then absolutely, in most cases, it needs to be remedied. Now, again, everybody's got their own definition on what's, what's a defect versus an upgrade. And back to the old electrical system. That's true. A defect is, is a problem that's causing it not to, not to function as intended. Right. An upgrade is bringing it into the 21st century. Um, and, and it's not really the seller's responsibility to do that unless you've negotiated that on the front end. It's not one of those get it under contract and then we're going to just you know, ask you for everything. So I had a client ask me for some advice too, and it was on a furnace. It's working now. It's getting, it's an older furnace. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went back and said, talk to your agent about getting a home and warranty. What do you think of the home warranties? Is this a Band-Aid or what do you think of those? <laughs> Look, I don't want to talk bad about home warranties because... <laughs> That I, I, I've seen them save people. I knew people. I shouldn't have brought this up. I thought them, I gave great advice. I, I know, I know. I've seen them save people, but I've also seen them. Look, I think what it comes down to is everybody's in a different boat financially. Right. Okay. There's people that a $500 repair would break them, and there's people that a $10,000 repair would not be that big of a deal or, or alter their lifestyle. So I think you got to decide who you are. If you're on a fixed income or you don't have the ability to find a way to make an additional $5,000 if you have to replace the furnace next week, then maybe you should look at spending five to $800 on a home warranty right. You know that'll cover that first year and cover those items. And then there's different warranties. There's different companies. There's different, you know, one, one in particular, and I won't name them, but, but there's one company I really really like right now because they will allow you to use whatever contractor you want to use nice. and then and then you go back and recapture the money from the warranty company after the fact um, where a lot of the warranty companies you have to use their person well if their nearest person for that particular trade is Joplin and they're two weeks out then guess what now that doesn't sound horrible unless it's your heat and air and it's 90 degrees or 12 degrees outside well my mm -hmm. mother-in-law had real good success uh, with them multiple times and um, 
at least the company that she was with, um, they took real good. They, when she was in Texas, she had the company, and they replaced her heating, heating there, cooling. And here locally, their heating they had problems, and they always send the person promptly. So yeah, I got a pretty positive um, idea on most home. But you're probably right. It's going to depend on that company they're working with yeah. and who they get. Yeah, they, who, who they probably get? need to do the due diligence to make sure it's. It's a, a pro-rated company. I'm saying talk to the realtor. In most cases, the realtors have dealt with these guys idea. enough. That, you know, I, I, I know uh, one guy in particular, he's been with two of the warranty companies now that, right. that, that I sell. Um, and, but, but what I've always liked about him is when I've had an issue, I've been able to go to him and say, we've got an issue getting this taken care of for our clients? client. Can you help? And he helped a, a mutual friend of ours, in fact, had right. their heat and air out. And, and uh, it was summer, 90 degrees. And they were, old, you know, not older, but older than me anyway, and, and suffering. And... Um, so I called him and I said, "Hey, I've got this client that says that your company's giving him the runner. <laughs> He's changed companies since then, but anyway, um, but he, uh, he, he got involved. He got it taken care of. He did so, fix it. Yeah. So again, it's a, it's like everything else, right? It's relationships too. So. It is true. Hey, so I did want to touch base on the government loans. Okay. Because there's a lot of negative, um, even on the seller side, that they're going to have to do all these freaking repairs um, uh, when the the home inspector goes in mm-hmm. and. They've really reduced that a lot, and I think you've seen it on the appraisals too as well because they're really not looking at cosmetic items anymore. Right. There was a time, you know, 10 years ago, cosmetics was a big part of it, right. and now they've totally taken that out of the picture, and they're really looking for the, the more structural things right. um, for the life of the loan, the home itself, what's going to keep the house standing there, and they're looking at safety issues, and it's not as bad as it used to be. The only thing that sneaks up on us is that little shed out there. People don't think they need to scrape and paint. But right, right. Can you go into a little bit of that? Because I, I want some support here. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I, and, and you're right. Government loans got a bad name for a long time because everybody thought, oh, they're so stringent right. and they require so many repairs. And look, I mean, there, there's a few things that, that I know are somewhat a nuisance at times. And like the, you mentioned, the scrape, you know, scraping the paint. I, I get seems it. to bother but, people but, a lot. But lead-based paint's also a real concern. Lead, you know, lead exposure of children and, and animals and whatever is, is a real concern. So, um, so it's valid. Um, but no, I don't think you know when i see the appraisals on on conventional stuff i don't see that they're a whole lot more lax than than they are on the government loans anymore. well they can't ignore those things they right. can't ignore safety issues right i mean if you if they walk in the floor and the floor is waving they're going to want to know why they're going to want to it's just that's to them a structural right. problem Call they can't ignore that. you whatever. can't ignore that yeah. yeah um especially the safety issues mostly right Right. When you're doing a conventional, and that's what they're, if there's mildew in the corner, it's got to be addressed. Or if there's water in the crawl space, it's got to be addressed. And if the floor's not stable, it's got to be addressed. Yeah. Just because yeah. it's conventional loan, they're not going to ignore those things. Exactly. Exactly. The, the paint and all that, as long as it's above average, they're going to be okay with. If it's livable, one of the uh, appraisers told me if it's livable and there's no safety issues, it's going to go. Right. But if it's there's safety issues, they got to they got to address it. They can't ignore it for yeah. sure. Now and, and now I, I will say one of the things that, that I do remember fairly recently it, with government loans, if it's there, it has to work. So if you've got a dishwasher in the hole in your kitchen, it does. It has to work. If you have a garage door opener hanging up in the garage, it has to work. And uh-huh. and so you know again, same, way, I, with, uh, same uh, way with the garbage disposal. Yeah. There's a garbage disposal that's not it's there. Got, it's got to work. Either you got to re- remove it, <laughs> right, right. or make it work. Exactly. One or the yeah, other. Yeah. You know, it's and it's got to be. It's a, but technically you could just remove it, and if everyone's comfortable with that, move on. Right. 
and right. just put the plumbing back as well. And the same way with the heating and cooling. If the heating and cooling is not going to work, it's it's not going to go through either. Yeah. yeah. So, but I, I don't necessarily want to own a house that doesn't have heating and cooling. So you know, I think I'm okay with that. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, we want it for sure. You know, most generally on the government loans, the roofs are really left in the inspection thing. Because most generally when the appraiser is looking at a roof, they're looking at it from the ground. They're not climbing on it and inspecting it like that. And a lot of people don't realize that. But they're looking for curling, if it's curling or whatever. Mm -hmm. And what the appraisers, in my knowledge right now, they refer to an expert. Right. Which you guys, you know, if they say, hey, there's an issue with the roof, then we got to get a roofing inspector. Inspector and, and get it cleared at least show it has at least two years. Two of years, life. right? Yeah, yep. two yep. years That's of life left told. on it too as well. And then, so going from there, I'm going to go into um, termites. Okay. Because they do come up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, we're doing it in the termites, because it, it's a big issue. It's a concern around here. You yeah. Know? And it's a it's interesting to me that the foundation is like uh, 18 inches. And can the termites not jump? <laughs> you well, know they climb because you can see their little mud trails right up the front. It takes a lot of work for them to yeah, climb because they got to make that mud dauber thing so they, they can't see the sunlight, right? You're right. So right. it takes them a while to climb that little wall. I've always wondered if the footing wasn't, you know, the reason they build them up wasn't because of termites maybe, you know, because right. here in our area you don't see a lot of slab. I'm seeing more of it now, I think, than I've seen in a long time. Um, there has been some new developments where they did, you know, Do a block or slabs. two of slabs or whatever. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just because it was harder to dig or if there's a cost-saving measure there or what the case might be. You see been. it occasionally, but I think our ground freezes so much, and there's so much shifting when we freeze and unfreeze and refreeze mm-hmm. that slabs can be a little touchy at times Yeah, because all your plumbing's in there. It's in there, yeah. yeah. And if it moves or anything, you bust that plumbing, what do you do? you got to tear that uh, And the one thing we know about the Ozarks is we seem to grow rocks. So, <laughs> I mean, what's going rocks. on underneath there, you know? And we know our weather's going to change every minute. So yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> but on the termites, how do you handle that i guess um i know it's in inspection most certainly you just push back on the sellers to solve that problem or what do you do so yeah i mean look if, if we have a termite inspection and there's there's some you know termite damage especially if it's significant um but if there's live termites every, again we, everything's negotiable you right. know and, and if the buyer's just just bound and determined to buy this home whether the seller agrees to do any of that or not then, then that's on them and it's up to them um but in most cases, we would go back on the seller at that point and, and say, okay, we found live termites and we found you know damaged rim joists or whatever the case might be in the crawl space, and, and that's going to need repaired. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily, we've got some termite companies in town that, that do the repairs as well, um, so it's kind of a, a one-stop shop. That right. makes it nice. We make one call, they get out there, and, and they'll give us an estimate on the, whole, on the whole thing, and then the sellers and buyers can make a decision based on facts. So, right. You know. On that... So going back to the government loans, and I kind of led into that with the termites, it's really up to the buyer on all government loans to do their own inspections. Mm-hmm. They cannot depend on that uh, appraiser, the appraiser right. to to find all these problems. Yep. Yep. And um, because um, several years back, um, HUD went and said, well, we're going to let the appraiser note anything that they see as an issue. And but the rest of it, it's going to be the buyer's responsibility. As far as getting the septic tank inspections, termite inspections, all that, it's really the only one that really requires uh, is the termite inspection. Is 
well, is a VA loan. VA now. Yeah, used yeah. to used to HUD did, but yeah. VA. Yeah, they don't do that anymore. They do require water tests, though. We have right. to make sure the water's clean. Right. That is the one thing on VA, FHA, and USDA. They all require that the water yeah. be clear. Although, yeah. I, again, termite inspection, to me, it's too cheap not to do it. Oh, you know, I, it if you don't do the other inspection, you've got to do a termite. At, at, the, very, at the very least. Yeah. 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 That, well, because if nothing else, at least that's getting somebody in under that crawl space. If they come place. out covered in mud, we know there might be there's something a, else we want to look at. <laughs> you might want to. So, But uh, it can get nasty under that. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. But, well, how often do you go in your crawl space? I don't go in my crawl space, you know, so. I yeah well there you go you know but uh i do my own uh, bug control myself yeah take care of that but um on the talking about crawl space the vapor barriers are fairly important around this area because we have so much ground source moisture in there and it can solve a lot of problems for people for moisture rise if they're like a seller if they're selling their house and they know there's moisture in there wouldn't you recommend them to a I mean, I, yeah, I would, but you know, again, whether or not there, there, there are people that will argue with you about vapor barriers and whether or not, and some of them are home builders. I've had home builders just flat argue with me about whether or not a vapor barrier is a good thing or not, because while it can keep water from evaporating onto the substructure, it'll also hold moisture from going on down into the soil. If it comes from, you know, if you have a small leak or or whatever the case, and it doesn't go anywhere. If you have a house that's 25 years old, if you haven't ever had a small leak, it's amazing because I mean, plumbing, they get loose things move a little bit you know um so yeah it, it's anyway yeah there's always theories on both sides yeah you, you know you can argue for anything around here i believe vapor barrier <laughs> to me personally from my own home experience a vapor barrier has made a difference you I, every time i like a vapor installed. barrier if they're installed properly of course there again it's not just rolling out plastic on the ground it's using the the vapor tape to to tape the seams, it's getting it up the footing a little bit. It needs to be installed So that if water does come in underneath that footing, That's that whole thing will float as a unit and, and, again, keep that moisture from being able to evaporate onto that substructure and cause fungal problems. Yeah, you're absolutely right because my mother-in-law, when she had one in there, I had to go in there and the company that put it in didn't put it in correctly and I yeah. had to go and doctor it up yeah. to keep it from moving because in that there in battlefield area, there's always a lot of water that comes up underneath. Sure. Sure. And we, yeah. I had to keep an eye on that and make sure it didn't change. Yep. It's yep. pretty important on that. But it's, it's funny, too, you get into that argument. And, and there again, when somebody's negotiating this along the way, I mean, hopefully their realtor is being very specific in whatever they're writing because the wording of how you ask for things is important. Um, if I'm going to try to hold somebody accountable later, I need to make sure that I had the wording right in the first right. place or else they're going to be like, well, there's a loophole. We'll just, you know. So, right, absolutely. And that's how it works. At some point, when, at some point it just becomes about the money in a transaction for people. Um, and, I would and, say, well, some people, though, on the seller side, and their defense, I think, is that they can only, they got to pay for this house, and we don't know where that is. Right. How much they own the house and where they're at and where their pocket is. And they're trying to buy a house, too. Yeah. So they've got their budget, and they need to get this. So they're trying to negotiate that they still get to buy their other house. It's always fun watching the cycle. It's, because there's two sides to it, it right? It is. And, and throughout the transaction, you can watch both parties switch. I mean, at one point, one party will be pragmatic, the other emotional, and then all of a sudden, it, it, it's, it's got, yeah. Well, it's when just, it starts getting down to that money, and you know, hey, I mean, I'd be able to buy my house because I don't have my 20% to put down, right, things right. start getting a little hairy well, out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It is definitely a negotiation. I, I think the key is just is just making sure again managing expectations is something I say a lot. I think the more educational things that we can provide Share people with, with upfront, absolutely. You know, it's all about information. I mean, you can't make a, a good decision without all the info. So get all the info first. You know, and yeah. and then cooler heads usually prevail. Right. Let's, let's just, hope so. Just, just like Being calm else. always makes yeah, a difference. It always does. <laughs> well, guys, uh, we're going to wrap this up right now. Uh, we appreciate you um, showing us. If you um, have any questions, reach out to either one of us. We have a ton of experience. I've been doing it for 22 years or almost 23. What? How long you've been doing this? Uh, since, since 99. Yeah. Since so 99. there's a lot of good experience here. We can give you some great guidance. Uh, reach out to us if you have any additional questions, and we'll be more than happy to answer them. Absolutely. We'll catch you guys next time.